if you have your Bible, you can open up to Psalm 107. Psalm 107 is where we'll be reflecting together today as we continue our series that we've been in called Learning to Listen. Learning to Listen, Psalm 107, is where we'll be. Now, a few weeks ago, when we first started this series about listening, I I shared an elementary school story with you all about that chime that would sound over the PA system, letting us know, hey, it's time to listen up. Announcements, right? Uh, And and so we saw that, that Jesus sounded a similar kind of chime whenever he was asked about the greatest commandment right? He was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And his response was, hear, O Israel. His response was, listen up. This is the greatest commandment. Listen up, people of God. Love the Lord your God with all your hearts and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is the greatest commandment, and it begins with this call to listen. Listen up. And so throughout these past weeks, we've been exploring what it means to be a listening people, to be a people who listen. And we've seen that as Jesus describes in this great commandment, listening is connected to love. We cannot love if we have not listened. Listening is connected to love. And we've seen that listening also begins in silence. Right? In order to become a listener, we have to cultivate a quiet spirit that's not distracted by the noise of life uh, or, or always looking for the right thing to, to answer, but we have to cultivate a quiet spirit, willing to listen. And last week, we saw that to be a follower of Jesus means to be a listener of his voice. We explored this image of the good shepherd and those sheep that listen to the shepherd's voice. This is what it means to follow Jesus, to be a listening people. So this week, as we continue exploring this theme of listening, I want to share another uh, elementary school memory with you all. This one is from fourth grade. In fourth grade, my teacher did something very special that that none of my other teachers ever did. And that was every afternoon, she carved out story time. Every afternoon, we had story time. After recess, we would all come back in to the classroom, and she would take her seat in a rocking chair in the corner, and we would all gather around at her feet, and she would read stories to us. She, she read children's classics uh, by, if you, any of you remember any of the classic stories by Beverly Cleary, there's folks like Ramona Quimby, uh, Henry Huggins. She would read us fantasy books, other kinds of stories, and it was a wonderful time. I loved it. I mean, anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour, we would just sit there and listen to these stories no television, no pictures even, just reading these words. And it was enough to get us on the edge of our seats. We would meet these new characters, go to these new places. I remember several times where she would finish reading a chapter and go to close the book, and the whole class would say, no, don't stop yet. Read another one. 
And sometimes she would. All of that just from simple storytelling. Simple storytelling. You see, to be a listening people, we need to be able to listen to stories. We need to be able to listen to stories, and not just stories from novels and books, but stories from life. And so today, the passage we are going to read, Psalm 107, reflects on the importance of sharing our stories as we grow in God and worship Him. And so Psalm 107 is what we'll be reading from. And um, there are some repeated phrases throughout this psalm. And so just as we're used to sometimes when we read psalms, I want us to read those repeated phrases together. And so it'll be on the screen. You'll be able to recognize it uh, when we get to it. So Psalm 107, beginning in verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Some sat in darkness, in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains because they rebelled against God's command and despised the plans of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them sacrifice, thank offerings, and tell of his works with songs of joy. Some went out to the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a temptest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wits' end. 
And then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. And then the final verse of the psalm, verse 43, let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for the gift of your word and for the story of, of each of our lives and the story that you are telling in the gospel and the good news. God, I pray that as we consider your scripture together this morning, that you would sharpen our minds and soften our hearts, that we might know you and love you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So sharing our stories is one of the primary ways that we learn how to listen. Sharing our stories is one of the primary ways that we learn how to listen. As we share our stories, God becomes real to us. As we share our stories, we are opened up to be transformed. And as we share our stories, we learn how to listen to the stories of others. These are things that I want to reflect on together this morning. Sharing our stories, God becomes real to us, uh, opens us up to transformation, and prepares us to be able to listen to the stories of others. And so the psalm opens up with a call to worship that we've just read. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. And then it immediately follows this with another call. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. By holding these two things together, a call to worship and a call to tell our stories. The psalmist is saying that telling our stories is a way of worshiping God. Telling our stories is a way of worshiping God. And perhaps to be bolder, the psalmist may very well be saying, we cannot truly worship God if we are not willing to tell our stories. We cannot truly worship God if we are not willing to tell our stories. This leads me to the very first thing that I want to say about stories this morning, and that is that stories are real. Stories are real, right? Facts and ideas may be true, but only stories are real. This psalm shows us what that means. Look at the opening line. The Lord is good. His love endures forever. This is true. These are true statements. They're, they're true statements, facts about God. God is good. His love does endure forever. But 
this true thing about God becomes real as the psalmist goes on to share stories. See, God is not just good or loving in some abstract way. Rather, God is good and loving because, as the stories go on to tell in this psalm, he has led wanderers to a home. God is good and loving because he has set prisoners free. God is good and loving because he has healed fools from their sickness and sin. God is good and loving because he has brought ships safely to shore. You see, ideas can be true, but only stories are real. Ideas exist abstractly in the mind, but stories are made of flesh and blood, the real stuff of life. And this is central to the Christian faith. You see, Christianity is not just some kind of philosophical belief system with ideas about the universe. Neither is Christianity a list of rules and regulations or, or you know, statements about values and morals and things like that. Rather, the central claim of Christian faith is that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That is the central truth of Christian faith, that abstract truth became real and actually lived among us, became a real live story in our midst. Dr. Keith Anderson, the former president of Caitlin's and my uh, graduate school, wrote in his book, A Spirituality of Listening, that Jesus is not an abstraction. Jesus' story keeps spirituality from becoming an exercise in imagination, where we create God into whatever image we choose. The particularity of story keeps us from customizing God and keeps us focused on the unfolding drama of God's movement in our life. You see, the central component of Christian faith is the story of Jesus. And this shows us that God is not some distant being or some abstract belief system, but rather a person with whom our stories intersect. This is who God is. And so the psalmist shows us that telling our stories is part of worshiping God. And we cannot truly worship God without telling our stories. We can say things like God is good and loving and great and mighty, but it's only abstract until we begin to share our stories. When we share our stories, we begin to discover the ways that God has been good and loving and great and mighty in our life. And then, then our worship transforms from merely declaring ideas about God to truly living life with God. 
Worship becomes real. It becomes real and true. So stories are not only true, stories are are real. But here's another thing about stories. Even when stories are not true, they're still real. You see, stories are how we make meaning of life. Stories are how we form our identity. Another professor from our our grad school once said, our own life is the thing that most influences and shapes our outlook, our tendencies, our choices, our decisions. Our own life is the force that orients us toward the future. And yet, we often don't even give it a second thought, much less a careful examination. And so it's time to listen to our own story. See, our stories are what make meaning of our lives. Our stories are how we, we, we are shaped, they form our identities. And so whether the stories we tell about ourselves are true or not, they still make us into the people who we are. And so it is absolutely critical that we examine our stories. What kind of stories are we telling about ourselves? What kind of stories are we believing about our lives? Caitlin and I recently rewatched a movie from about 20 years ago called The Princess Diaries. The Princess Diaries. I don't know if any of you have seen that one. It's about a teenage girl named Mia who's a nobody. She's, she's just a nobody, right? She doesn't have very many friends. All the popular kids laugh and make fun of her. And so throughout the movie, or at least the beginning of the movie, she keeps telling herself, I'm just invisible. I don't matter. No one sees me. I'm invisible. That's the story she tells about herself, about her life. And then her grandmother comes to visit from far off in Europe somewhere. Her grandmother comes to visit and invites her to tea. And over tea, her grandmother tells her something that completely transforms her life. She learns that her grandma doesn't only live over somewhere in Europe. Her grandmother is actually the queen of Genovia. And she learns that she is the princess and the rightful heir to the throne. So you see, it turns out that this story she's been telling about herself, I'm just invisible, I'm a nobody, is not true at all, right? She is very visible. She matters a great deal. There's a whole country depending on her for their future. But even though the story she was telling about herself was not true, it still determined who she was. She lived life as if she didn't matter, as if she were invisible. And so the rest of the movie is about her learning how to tell a different story about her life, learning how to make the story that's true about her 
real. You see, our stories are real. And they really do make meaning of our lives and shape our identities, but our stories are never over. They're never settled. Dr. Anderson uh, once more puts it this way, saying, human identity is formed and reformed, narratively. We are who we are as a result of the stories we tell and retell about ourselves. You see, our, our identities are formed and reformed. Our stories are told and retold. Our stories are not over. And by telling our stories, we have an opportunity to be transformed. Look back at the psalm and some of these different stories that were told. The very first one begins in verse 4. It says, Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. And what if that was the end of their story? What if they stopped telling their story there? Or the next story is in verse 10. Some sat in darkness, in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains. What if that's where they stopped telling their story? Or the next story that's told in verse 17. Some became fools through their rebellious ways. What if that's where they stopped telling their story? See, we can do this with each one of the stories in this passage. If each of those stories stopped there, well then, these people are merely wanderers, prisoners, and fools. That's who they are, if that's where the story ends. They're invisible nobodies, just like Mia. But you see, that's not really who Mia was. That's not really who they are. The psalm didn't open by saying, let the wanderers and prisoners and fools tell their story. It opened by saying, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. You see, by telling their story, they are transformed from wanderers, prisoners, and fools into the redeemed of the Lord. This is something else that is central to the gospel story. Stories can always be transformed. Stories can always be made new. People can always be transformed. Stories of sin and shame, fear and failure do not have to stay that way. Stories of sin and shame can become stories of salvation. Stories of fear and failure can become stories of victory. Stories of death can become stories of resurrection. As we tell our stories, we who have also been wanderers, prisoners, and fools can also become the redeemed of the Lord. 
if we are only willing to tell our stories. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Now, all of this is very inspiring and and very redemptive and such, but I imagine some of you are thinking, but hang on, telling my story, that just feels way too personal. How do I even begin to do such a thing? Or maybe others of you are thinking, all of the stuff about telling my story, I mean, isn't that kind of self-absorbed? Isn't that kind of selfish? Just a bunch of navel-gazing, just looking at myself and me, myself and I, right? And to each of these things, I'll admit, yes, sharing our stories is very personal. And also, telling our stories can be a selfish thing. But knowing and telling our stories is one of the ways that we can learn how to listen. It's one of the ways that we can learn how to listen. Another book I've been reading it uh, puts it this way. Good listening starts at home. Good listening starts at home. How you listen to yourself will determine how you listen to others. Do you dismiss your own emotions? And there's a good chance you'll make a regular habit of dismissing the emotions of others. Do you quickly judge and condemn the thoughts and stirrings of your inner world? Then, very likely, you'll be unable to show compassion to others when they risk sharing with you. The harsher you are, the harsher your own internal voices are, the harsher will be your responses to the mistakes and shortcomings of others. And the author goes on to say this, I love this, self-discovery is not the ultimate end to your listening life. Love is. Self-discovery is not the final goal of listening. Love is the goal. If we want to listen to others with compassion, gentleness, and attentiveness, then we must learn to listen to ourselves with those same qualities. You see, all of us have various kinds of reactions and responses to our own stories. Many of us aren't even aware what those are. There's perhaps a script of of self-judgment self-condemnation. Perhaps there's a different kind of script of, you know, self-exaltation. Look at how great I am. But many of us don't even know what our responses are to our stories because we haven't told them. It's in telling and sharing our stories that we can learn how to listen to our own stories with compassion and humility, and in turn, listen to the stories of others with that same humility and compassion. And so sharing our stories is something that that makes our worship not merely abstract, but real. 
It's something that opens us up to transformation. And as we learn to compassionately listen to ourselves, we begin to learn how to compassionately listen to others. So as we close, I just want to share two simple things about storytelling. One of them is our stories need to be honest. As we share our stories, we have to be honest. All of this stuff that we've been talking about this morning, the, the real worship, the, the possibility of transformation, the, the learning to listen to others, all of that, none of that will happen if we are not honest as we share our stories. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says, it is the truth that will set you free. We have to be honest about our stories and about ourselves. I think many of us have a tendency to either paint ourselves as the hero of our stories or as the villain of our stories. See, we, we either judge ourselves with guilt and shame or we romanticize ourselves with a lot of pomp and bravado. But as we tell our stories, there is no need for us to make things up or cover things up. We simply need to honestly offer things up to truly tell our stories. This is who I am. There are times when we have not been heroes, where we did fail. And it's important as we tell our stories that we admit that. Scripture calls it confession. And then there are other times when good and wonderful things have happened in our life. We need to tell those stories too. Scripture calls it testimony. As we share our stories, we need not judge them, but only tell them. And let the truth set us free. It's in honestly sharing our stories that we can begin to truly see God, be transformed, and learn how to listen to others. And so we need to tell our stories honestly. And there's one more thing that I want to say about storytelling, and that is this. Our stories call forth a response. Our stories call us to respond in some way. Throughout our passage today, every story that we read came with a response, right? That's the two recurring phrases that we all read together. Do you remember them? Right? One of them was, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And then another one was, they gave thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. You see, as, as we tell our stories, what response does the story call for? What response does the story call for from us? Some stories will move us to cry out for help, just like them. They cried out to the Lord in their distress. But other stories 
will move us to give thanks and to rejoice just like they did. But every story calls for some kind of response to God. As we share our stories, how will we respond to them? It's in responding to our stories that small talk becomes God talk. And our stories are written into that great story of redemption, of God making all things new. And so as we share our stories, may we be honest and responsive. May our worship become real in the sharing of our stories. May our lives be transformed and may our hearts be softened that we might be more compassionate as we listen to the stories of others. Let us give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Amen.